Their goal is to create the global control system. The phone is the key node. Everyone's got a phone, even in the middle of nowhere in Africa or Mexico, and they're bringing in digital ID in every country now. You don't need the infrastructure. They put you on, all citizens, on digital ID. Uh, you've got your smartphone, and then that's pretty much it. I'm shocked with how fast this is happening. Only God has the capability to create a soul and a person or, or an angel or, uh, you know, uh, this spirit. That's the essence of your sentience. The AI, you know, the devil is just trying to copy everything. Just because AI is there and all this scientific dictatorship technology, it's going to be used. There's no way back. It's like Pandora's box. The AI is, it's not, you know, nothing that hasn't been done before. It's just a newer version of what's been going on since the beginning of time. Welcome to the Saying Free Podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Hrvoje Moric, and I think I finally nailed the pronunciation of his name here. Hrvoje is a returning guest, so he was on the show in January. I can't remember the episode number, but uh, that was my first in-person conversation. And we did another in-person conversation for this one. He came over to my place here in Puerto Vallarta. And we had an interesting conversation about all kinds of different stuff from AI and transhumanism to global affairs and God and prophecy and all kinds of different themes. So if you don't know Hervoy, then you should definitely check out his podcast, the Geopolitics and Empire podcast. He has really, really interesting guests there. And he's got a TNT show as well. And Hervoy is genuinely one of the smartest people I know. He is so, so clued up on everything going on with, well, geopolitics and all of that kind of stuff, which makes sense given the name of his podcast. But he's incredibly well-researched and well-read, so I always appreciate him giving me his time and his perspective. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We stepped it up again for this one and did a two-camera setup. So this worked really well for about half of the conversation, and then unfortunately one of the cameras stopped recording. So if you're watching the video version of this, you've got me and Hervoy for the first half, and then you've just got Hervoy for the second half since we lost my camera feed. But it's all good. It's all part of the learning experience. And at least that gives me a nice point to sneak in a little ad there as well. All right, if you like the episode, do give it a like and a share on social media. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, make sure you give it a five-star rating in whichever podcast app you're using. If you're new here, then welcome. Do give the podcast a subscribe for future episodes. Please also consider supporting me. You can do that via buying me a coffee with one-off donations or monthly donations, as well as Bitcoin tips as well. Links for those are in the description. And as always, tips are hugely appreciated and will go directly towards the costs of running the show. All right, let's get into the episode. Havoye. Havoye. Hrvoye. Hrvoye. Have I got it? I'm getting closer there, right? Yeah. Um, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, and welcome to my house and welcome to Puerto Vallarta. It's cool to have you back on the pod. It's good to be back and to be back at the beach as well. So Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Have you been to the beach yet? Oh, yeah. Did nice. you see my tan? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're looking more Mexican. By yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, obviously like we're doing something a bit more special again today. I think we've even stepped it up from last time. You know, we're going like two cameras now. So... Yeah, this is cool. It's cool to have the opportunity to do it. I feel like uh, with you being like another kind of freedom podcaster, so close, talking about all similar similar kind of things, it's nice to be able to like do this every now and again. 
and you know, thanks to my supporters, I'm able to upgrade my equipment. We got, I got my two road mics. I got my new. This is the first time I think I'm using my um, fancy uh, video camera. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, have you used it yet? <laughs> so far, <laughs> so far, a, I've I've yeah, been pulling. Them. You, you've got the privilege. Uh, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of, yeah. So. Yeah. So the deal is that I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how to use the camera and. You give me an episode. There you go. <laughs> and uh, talk about some cool stuff. So yeah, let's get straight into it, man. Um, what's new since the last time we chatted? Uh, I can't remember the episode number, but it was in January. So um, f- yeah, like what's, what's been going on with you? Not much, just tr- tr- trudging along. And you know, the, just like the Ukraine war, not much has changed there, war of attrition. And I've just been focused on, um, you know, just doing my thing, TNT Radio, the podcast opened up a Substack, slowly get that going. And then, uh, you know, my biggest obsession is the algorithm, the ghetto and watching this advance and it's going off at light, light speed. You know, this, this, this trend, it's just, it's, it's unstoppable. So, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, um, it's really wild. I, I don't know if I was telling you the other night when we went out for dinner, like I, I'm, I'm done with YouTube now. I mean, I've got my like second strike and it was so, so ridiculous. Like, Basically, the, the the only word that was said was the vaccine was mentioned one time and it was preceded by the word toxic. So that was it one time in the entire thing, toxic vaccine. That's it. It was it was such a kind of side issue. I mean, it wasn't we weren't even really talking about that. And uh, YouTube, you know, found it immediately, pulled the episode, gave me another strike. And it's just like if that's the level of censorship they're going to go with, I just cannot be bothered spending my time with it. Yeah, I mean, I just got a strike as well. I had on Moldovan politician Yuri Roshka, and um, the main theme wasn't the vaccine, but we did, he did go into COVID and, and um, you know, same thing to discuss how it was a poison shot or whatever, and that got me my strike. I, I thought for, for I mean, I, 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 I know things are going to get worse. Um, but we got, we all fell into that false sense of security, right? Like this lull of we're in the eye of the storm. The whole COVID thing came, they pulled back a little and they're going to push further again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of got complacent and I, you know, I got my first strike. So you're, you're on, uh, no, I mean, uh, right now I'm on one, I've gotten many before, but you know, you're on probation for three months. So. Yeah. Uh, my last podcast I didn't upload on YouTube either. It was with David Skripats, uh, Canadian, Croatian, Slovenian, uh, who former who, who served in the Canadian uh, forces, uh, and and we we I don't want to chance it, you know, because mm-hmm. there's still people who just go to YouTube. Like someone, I did my I uploaded my interview with Colonel McGregor uh, like a week later, and they're they're and the guy in YouTube comments, I wish you could put the date that this was posted. I'm like, are you serious? I just posted the link to my website. I'm like, you go to my website. Like, your 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 only interaction with my podcast is through YouTube. Like, mm-hmm. you understand? Like, there's a whole other world outside of YouTube. Well, yeah, yeah, there is, and and that world is like growing massively as well. So, like, let's start there because, like, my view from from seeing everything that's going on with YouTube is that, you know, it used to be that YouTube was like a one stop shop. You go there, you get everything that you want, and now it's like YouTube has kind of fenced off this entire area of anything, anything, any political discussion, any discussion about kind of like matters of health and things like this. It's like all of that kind of area now, which was a massive part of YouTube, you just can't um, go there anymore. So you've got to go to another platform. So you've got to go to, you know, Rumble or Odyssey or Rockfin or whatever other platform, BitChute, these other ones. And, you know, it seems obvious to me that YouTube is 
completely killing their business with, um, did I say YouTube, Google or YouTube? But Google is killing YouTube basically through, through their actions. And I want to know your thoughts on why you think that they would do that because, you know, we supposedly live in a capitalist world and yet we see these companies that are kind of just, you know, um, doing these own, own goal type actions. And um, why, why would they do that? I mean, it's obviously losing the money. I don't think that people would flee YouTube if they, for instance, you know, had this content and just said, look, we'll let you, you talk about what you want to talk about. Um, but on the other hand, people will flee that platform if they don't allow free speech. I think that's the wrong paradigm from which to look at it. Again, my I, my foundational worldview, we've talked about it before, I won't go into depth, but you know, I believe in the Bible and all, all of the, a lot of people who aren't Christians are familiar with the whole lore, right? Prophecy, end times, all of that stuff. And so for me, I'm looking at it from that view. It's very black-pilled, if you will. Ultimately, it's white-pilled. And, you know, there's it's the white pill that a lot of people don't want to accept, you know, Jesus Christ. But um, it is ultimately white-pilled if, if you believe in, in Jesus. But if you don't, you're going to say, I'm black-pilled, right? So sec on the material plane, I'm, it's very black-pilling. And so uh, I don't think for them profits or the logic, you know, the capitalist logic matters for them. I think what we're seeing now is what their goal is to create the global control system. And so capitalism, profits, uh, I think these elites have all the profits that they need. So they don't need any more profits. So they can take as many hits, uh, you know, losing, uh, you know, that's what they're doing with ESG, uh, making yeah. these corporations go bankrupt intentionally because yeah. they're in the process of, monopolizing at the global level, centralizing corporations, uh, the digital space, transport, everything. And so they actually, they have to do away, they, they have to cut off a lot of, uh, well, you know, people, a lot of people are gonna get killed, a lot of business is gonna, gonna go down. And so it's like this, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, the wheat and the tear, uh, sifting of the wheat, uh, the chaff and the wheat. Uh, and so from their perspective, and so I don't think they really care because they have a Malthusian view. So that means lowering the physical population of humans. On YouTube, that, that means you know, getting rid of however many content creators uh, they don't like. Uh, and so they're building this global algorithm ghetto digital control uh, system. And, and you're seeing it everywhere, slow, if you're paying attention in real life with all of the apps. Uh, I mean, they're slowly severing the physical realm and putting us all where your only option is the digital. Like I'm at, I'm at this hotel, uh, you know, I'm only there because uh, someone that I know has this timeshare or whatever. So otherwise I wouldn't even go. But you go to the shop, you can't even pay with cash. I came with a you know, pocket full of cash and you got to scan, I don't have the, your armband. Uh, this is literally like, like the Mark of the Beast system. You can't even pay with cash. And you know, this, this is where we're headed. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised that's happened in Mexico because like one of the things I really like about here is that you can basically pay for cash at, like pretty much everywhere. And in fact, in many cases, they only accept cash. <laughs> like so many times I've gone somewhere and they'll either only accept cash or they'll give you a discount with cash for sure. Like they'll, they'll give you a surcharge if you pay with card. Completely different to Europe, completely different to America. So yeah, it sucks that that kind of thing is kind of coming over here, I guess. 
But I, I think this can change rapidly. I just posted a clip from uh, one of my contributors, Nikola Mikovic, who was out in Kazakhstan recently where I used to live. And he, he made the point, he was shocked that you can't do anything now in Kazakhstan without apps. It's pretty much digitized. And the people like it because they have a young generation, uh, average 30-year-olds. 30 year, 30 and he said it's going to take longer in Europe because it's an older generation that's more conservative and say that they don't like change, he was saying. Um, but I, I've also, I've been saying this, but I've also seen other people say now that with technology, they can bring this, this stuff, on, stuff in really quickly. And you're seeing it in Africa. So when you say like in Mexico where it's more third world and less infrastructure, and for me, like that doesn't matter because the phone is the key node. Everyone's got a phone, even in the middle of nowhere in Africa or Mexico. Uh, and they're bringing in digital ID in every country now. So the digital ID is coming in. It's just a few components and you don't need the infrastructure. It's just they put you on all citizens on digital ID. Uh, you've got your smartphone uh, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the Internet, which now they're giving you so many options. You've got Starlink, you've got landlines, you've got 4G. So the Internet is there. Smartphone is there. Digital ID is incoming as they get rid of the cash. So in Mexico and Africa and Paris, the governments and corporations can just snap their fingers. Boom. Cash is gone. And we're all <laughs> in the algorithm ghetto. That's that's my that's my view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does seem kind of strange to me that you see like how quick the government are to like jump on new technologies like 4G, 5G, this kind of thing. You know, governments get that done so quickly. And yet, you know, like you look at the potholes and erosion, it's like, when are you going to fix my roads? But, you know, I mean, I'm not entirely complaining because I like to have fast internet and stuff. But I would, in my view, it's like, let the let the private companies kind of like deal with that. If I want the fast internet, I'll get it. But the government seem in this real rush to be like, we're going to give everyone this super fast, you know, uh, internet access. We're going to drive down the prices. You know, we're going to drive down prices of, of these kind of things, like keeping everyone online. And yet when it comes to things that you kind of want the government to do, just like, you know, in your local area or whatever, that doesn't get done. And that, you know, that does seem suspicious to me. Like if a government is in a rush, you know, much much like with the vaccine, right? It's like as soon as the vaccine um, was a thing, it was like governments were just absolutely head over heels, just going, you know, they were they would move in mountains to make sure that everyone took this jab. And it's like, okay, well, where were you, you know, with all of these other health ailments in the past that you know need need resolving where were you about you know the nhs waiting list in the uk for instance it's like you know they don't want to fix that but as soon as the vaccine comes around it's like oh we got all of the the time money and resources in the world for this stuff yeah that's a good point you bring up where you notice wherever there's uh in general wherever they're subsidizing or making things cheap to push that's their agenda and the stuff that they're making expensive you know, now they're making flying and transport expensive. Yeah. In I think it was in the Netherlands, they've banned cruise ships because of the weather, climate change, right? Really? Um, yeah, so more and more you're seeing them ban this stuff. And I saw someone uh, tweeting in, in Canada now, I think it was Toronto, um, the infrastructure is just collapsing, dilapidated. It's taking forever uh, to get anywhere. And the government has intentionally not, for years, dealt with that infrastructure. But think about it, 15-minute city. You're not going to be able, because everything's just so collapsed where you are, you won't be able to, it'll take you forever to get out of uh, your little space. So more often than not, you'll just not go anywhere, you know, so it does play into that uh, agenda. Yeah. What do you think to everything that's happening at the moment with like AI? Where does that come into all of this? Because 
that's like, you know, just a massive thing at the moment. Is this part of the PSYOP, do you think? I think AI is, um, you know, uh, it's, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't buy the hype. I think what AI basically is, I don't, it'll never become sentient. If you ask me, they might try. They're always trying to sell us these fears, uh, which is the pretext to bring in their power grabs. Uh, and look at Sam Altman of ChatGPT, OpenAI, AI, now WorldCoin. Um, and I was saying this on TNT like weeks, months ago. They're going to, they whip out the AI. It's the same old situation. You know, they carry out 9-11 terror. And then the solution is, you know, pay more control. TSA checkpoints, surveillance. And it's the same mm -hmm. principle over and over and over because the people are stupid. They're dumb. They're naive. Um, and... With AI, it's like, okay, now you've got deep fakes. Uh, you can't tell what is what. You can't verify. So the solution then is the digital ID, yes. which is what WorldCoin is, the global digital ID. So you got Sam, this uh, Altman, whips out the AI. Oh, look at this problem. Oh, I got the solution, digital ID. So now, uh, even he said to access the internet, you're going to need to have your digital ID. You're going to need to scan your eye on the orb or, or yeah. whatever to then log in so we know that you're the human and then they can see everything. You're, so they'll be able to monitor everything you're doing. So if you make one wrong move on the internet, you are uh, you know, in the algorithm yeah. ghetto. And I think also the AI, it's not as they, it's not as, I think it's just a tool. They program it, it won't become sentient and it just allows them to, to monitor. It, it, you know, here's the best analogy. IBM created the first computer. It was a paper computer for the Nazis to uh, classify who were Jews, yeah. who were gypsies, who were whoever, political, religious views, so then they can uh, be able to quickly sift information and then put the dissidents or Jews or whoever were their targets in the ghettos and leave the others alone. And I think that's basically what AI is. It's it, our YouTube. That's what they deploy first is to detect the... You know, f when you say fake pandemic, uh, the AI does that. So it's not mm -hmm. some like, it's not going to become sentient. It's just an advanced tool to be able to monitor. That, that, that's my take. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think it will become sentient. And I, when people say that, you know, AI can become sentient, that doesn't make any sense to me, like at all. Like, it seems to me that to say AI will become sentient is basically to say, well, like, I can be, it will fool me enough for me to believe it will be sentient, but it never will be sentient. I mean, you can make a machine, you can keep kind of making a machine more and more advanced, more and more advanced. You can, you know, give it emotions that seem, you know, human, etc. You can do all of these things, but at the end of it, you have just created a very, very good computer. I mean, I'm not even, well, I'm certainly not kind of, uh, you know, a, a believer in a way that you are, right, when it comes to religion and stuff. But I can still recognize that the idea of mistaking a very advanced computer for something being sentient is, to me, nonsensical. There's something intrinsic about life. There's something in the in the substance of, of life there that yeah. makes something alive and sentient. And there's a, a computer can never be that. And it really irritates me when people say, "Oh, well, at some point we should we should start affording rights to computers." You know, like if the AI gets so good, we should start giving it rights and things like that. I'm like, are you out of your mind? I mean, this is it's a computer. It's a good. It's a very good computer. And you're almost openly admitting, like, if it can fool me, I'm willing to, 
you know, throw everything I know about life out the window and just treat it as life. Well, I, I think what you just said from my viewpoint, philosophical, religious, is it's the soul or spirit. Yeah. And that you cannot do that. Only God has the capability to create a soul and a person or, or an angel or, uh, you know, uh, this spirit. That's the essence of your sentience. Yeah. It's not our physical body. You know, when you when your physical body dies, you still exist as your spirit. Uh, and then depends where you're going to go, heaven or hell. Right. Um, but the AI, you know, the devil is just trying to copy everything. You know, in, in, in many ways, man mm. has also looked at God's creation and, and mimicked it, right? Like uh, cameras mimic our eyeballs, right? Uh, or, you know, airplanes mimic b birds. So th those are good examples. But then you've got the devil who's trying to create this global surveillance state. Like a god is, is, is omniscient. He can see everything. And so the devil's trying to do the same thing. He's trying to create these, you know, biotechnological transhuman yeah. creatures. But there's there's a limit. You know, he can't. Uh, I don't think he'll ever be able to do it. But you know, who knows what's in the devil's head? Yeah, that's that's a great point. It's funny. I find myself agreeing with a lot of what you say, but not even from like a kind of Christian viewpoint. Just more from just a general sense that this idea of, of like deception, almost kind of glorifying deception, saying, you know, if this AI can deceive us, it is that it is sentient, we're going to glorify it. And there does seem to be something kind of inherently evil about that. It's like, you know, there's something for me inherently evil about rejecting truth and accepting lies in whatever form that takes. And this seems to be like, you know, one of the most poignant examples of that is accepting AI as being life just because it appears to be life. It's like the ultimate fakery. It's like, will you accept something as being a divine creation, which we know it is not. We know is created by man. Or, you know, I mean, you, you might say by the devil, but, you know, it still Both. comes back to the same point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's. I had a great conversation the other day on TNT Radio with Bruce Party of rightsprobe.org. He's this Canadian professor, and we were talking about the managerial state and technocracy. And he was saying... Um, it's like if the technology will be created, it's going to be used. So he's kind of like me also. Maybe I don't know if he'll agree, but Blackfield, it sounded like that we're going down this road. But if we can create this monster technology, it's not like the morals or ethics drive our actions. It's, oh, look at this shiny thing. Um, let's see what, you know, let's press the button and see what happens. That's how humans are. And so, just because AI is there and all this scientific dictatorship technology, it's going to be used. There's no way back. It's like Pandora's box. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what he was arguing, and I agree with him. Uh, and so, and, and, and in many ways, it's nothing new. Again, if you go back to man just inventing idols, you know, he, in the back in the day, he'd fashion a wooden statue or a rock statue or a golden idol and worship it. And this is nothing new. He's the AI is... It's not, you know, nothing that hasn't been done before. It's just a newer version of what's been going on since the beginning of time. Yeah, totally. I mean, you could, you could take that right back to the story of Adam and Eve, right? You could take that right back to the story of, you know, eating from the, it's the, the apple from the forbidden, is it the forbidden tree? I'm not sure about it. Well, yeah. And, and I was talking about this on TNT yesterday with, I think, Terry Wolf, um, because, well, you know, my, I, I talk a little bit about the new age stuff and people who talk about, 
Christ consciousness. And this it has to do with AI and transhumanism, where this idea where you can become gods, because that's what the serpent told in the garden. He said, forget God, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a binary where God is the creator, you are the creation, there is an order, you follow the creator. But the devil says, no, you are gods, forget about God. Um, and that's kind of the idea of transhumanism and AI, uh, you know, these Silicon Valley bigwigs, that's their philosophy, but they're also telling us that you can be your own savior. You don't need an external savior. So, you know, th th that's, that's also interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder whether that's a, a sliding scale, right? Because you could say that on, on one hand, you've got like very, I guess, rudimentary kind of AI type things, you know, and then you kind of continue up that scale. And then at the other end, you've got like changing people's DNA, you've got injecting, you know, like RNA, DNA, whatever it might be, changing people, changing the structure of people's DNA. That's kind of on the extreme end. And I wonder whether there's this kind of like a lot of stuff in the middle, which, you know, some people might recognize and some wouldn't. So like maybe with something like ChatGPT, maybe you can kind of recognize more than others. You're like a bit more sensitive to that being kind of like down a bad road. And other people, it's going to, it, they're going to wait until it takes a human form. They're going to wait until it's, you know, some kind of actual like human-like um, form, which has the AI in it. And maybe at that point they'll be like, hmm, now we're playing God. You know, but I wonder whether there's just a sliding scale of how much we are playing God. This is a good question. I, I interviewed Mary Harrington on my podcast. She writes for Unheard. She's got this great book, uh, Feminism Against Progress, I think. And she touches on this. She calls it cyborg theocracy. Uh, meet, meet Lego Gnosticism. She's got these great terms that she comes up with. And she argues, I, I wouldn't disagree with her. I, um, she says that contraception was the first uh, transhumanist technology because it allowed women to upgrade their bodies and then the whole transgender thing is along that road to transhumanism because I think the whole transgender thing is not really about LGBT plus stuff. It's this global elite ideology sold to us to break down that binary again of male, female, God, uh, creator, creation to bring us into this. Because, you know, some people have different, they've made interesting comments that angels don't have uh, a gender that they're sexless. So if you know Lucifer and the the angels are pushing this, you know that's one interesting thing. They don't have a gender, right? Wait, or or they might be one uh, gender. But in any case, the whole transhuman metaverse is where you get rid of your natural God-given role, and now you can be any. You can be a monkey. You can be a unicorn. You know, you people are dressing up as kitty cats because it's like they're preparing us for the digital algorithm ghetto where. You're, you can be anything you want, right? And so yeah. I feel like that's that transgender thing is to break down our foundations and mores to then prepare us for what's coming. I, I wonder what the end game there is. Is it is it that we all you know enter the metaverse and at that point you know you'll have you'll basically get to stay. Oh, you know what? I identify as this. You know, I identify as a man. I identify as a woman. I identify as a cat. And then at that point, it's just like, oh yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah, that's exactly what you are. Here, put the headset on and you go into the metaverse. Like, you know, we'll we'll just kind of keep your fluids going for the next 40 years of your life. Like, <laughs> I, I don't doubt that's kind of what they want just for us to stay home uh, on the VR. And then you get delivered to your home, the soil and green you know, whatever, like just this week on, on independent, you in the Britain, Britain, you had this 
I forget the Greg Wallace or whatever his name is, this uh, about eating human meat. And it's satire, right? Yeah. But it's really well made. And I shared the clip initially thinking it was real. Uh, he's like, they, they've created meat in the laboratory, like, you know, beyond meat with human proteins. You know, however they do that, they start with one human protein and they replicate it. And so selling this idea of cannibalism, which is Soylent Green, you know, if you watch the movie, which took place in 2022. You know, Wait, what, what do you mean about Soylent, Soylent Green? What so this this, this movie, is, the movie was made, I think, in the 70s, 1973, and it talks about how uh, it's the climate change agenda. Everything, everything's collapsing, too, much, too many people, overpopulation, uh, okay. uh, climate change, whatever. And then there's no resources. They, they lock people into cities. And this is taking place in the year 2022 right, last year, and uh, there's no more food, and so uh, they sell to people some like, la like something like Beyond Meat or whatever, some laboratory synthetic chemical food, which is pretty much a lot of our food today, you know, in the supermarkets. Uh, it's all just chemicals and colors, right, and, and crap. Uh, but they put human, uh, humans in it. They, they take people off the streets okay. in garbage trucks, mash them up, and then put them back into the soil and green. And so now you've got Greg Wallace and the independent it's satire, but at the same time, uh, I don't think we should, they want us to dismiss it and say it's satire, but I actually think even through it being satire, they're attempting to normalize it. They're like, <laughs> just kidding, not really. You know, that, that's right. kind of their way to get to deflect criticism. It's just satire, but no, they're really introducing this idea in our heads, even through satire of normalizing cannibalism. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of things that if you actually look back at it now, it seemed like satire and now it's like, oh, it's come true. A lot of the sci-fi movies, I mean, like what you were saying saying before about, you know, is the goal that we all just put a headset on and just go into the metaverse? Matrix, I mean, I, right. Yeah, it's just the Matrix, right? But then I'm like, did, did the Matrix just tune into some kind of archetype that exists in, in reality and it was just like a really well-written thing? Or are these people looking at the Matrix and they're going, great idea, guys. Like, let's, let's see what we can do. No, I mean, I'd go even more blackpilled and think that the writers of that script because everything that, you know, Hollywood is one arm of the globalists, just like you've got the military, the financial space, the technological space and the cultural space, they are driving it. And so these elites, I think they've got strategic plans, you know, they've got so many resources. And so they've probably got, you know, private organizations that formulate these detailed strategic plans. And it doesn't necessarily go always how they want, but they can say by this year we're going to have this technology we'll be able to carry out this plan and um and 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 so that you know i think they wrote matrix knowing that was part of their plan and that they would be at some future point they think they'd be capable of it so i don't think you know when you say what do you the the, the cart before the horse or yeah. whatever i think that the writers were in on it or people that formed part of that team. You look at the brothers now, they're transgender, the writers of The Matrix. That's a good point. Again, yeah. so it's like, they're all, and then you, that's not the only movie. There's so many of these movies now that are pushing us along that same path. So it's not coincidence. Yeah, but would, do you not, I mean, in the movie The Matrix, they very much present it as a bad thing. They're not glorifying that world. So like, I would have thought that if they were pushing it, they would have shown some good side of it, some positive side of, you know, being in the pod or whatever. But I think that movie is pretty squarely saying, like, this is like hell, this is a prison. Yeah, yeah, I don't but, know. But, but you're right, I, like, I, thinking about, the, thinking about the, uh, the fact that they did go, go transgender and stuff, that is interesting. I, you know, I find it interesting, some of the people who do go 
transgender. This also happened with uh, Bradley Manning becoming Chelsea Manning. It, it seems to happen to quite a lot of like very prominent people. You it's know, weird. like I mean, I mean yeah. in my in my personal life, like I don't know anyone who is actually trans. Like I don't have any friends or extended family or anything who's trans, and yet there's a lot of people who who are in the in the public eye. Like, why do you think that is? Yeah, I know. I mean, think I think that's just another red flag. It's like, why is it that Chelsea Manning and and I mean, there's I can't think of so many more other examples, but yeah, there, there's One something the about it, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, but you know, maybe because they are part of some globalist experiment as well. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Or you know, some people who go have breakdown situations, uh, you know, maybe as a way to stay sane, they. Will will become transgender or something? I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's there's something there, you know. Yeah, there is something there. You know, I, I find it like I find it like a really interesting topic because it does seem like it's something that's accelerating. And you know, I abs I absolutely like have 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 like a lot of sympathy for people who they feel like you know I'm not in you know this isn't my my body this isn't the body that I kind of like feel like is a representation of me and I I, I feel bad but I feel bad for for them because I think that there is a there's something in their life, some area of their life they're probably not working on, or there's some kind of lack there, and they're probably not aligning themselves with truth. And then may, maybe, like, if you don't like align yourself with truth in one area of your life, it kind of like ripples out into others. And perhaps, you know, if things kind of go particularly awry, you end up kind of saying, okay, well, I don't know what's true anymore, including my own identity. It seems to me like an, not just an identity crisis, but a, like a truth crisis as well. Yeah, I, I would argue, I, you know, I unabashedly. Uh, my view is that it's not correct transgenderism. It's you have male and you have female, you know, punto para for this in Spanish. Like th th that's it. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who still works at the tech where I used to teach here in Mexico. You know, when, when I was teaching, I, I finished 2017. I, I, I quit. Um, there, there were no transgender students at all. You know, there's maybe one uh, gay student um, or something like that. But then he, he, it's interesting how it all started happening with COVID. So he told me, like, you know, from 2020 onward, starting with the COVID age of Corona, you started getting transgender students. So he told me now there's like, you know, maybe two or three on, on the high school campus where he is. And they ask him, you know, I think if I, I, I can't recall, he said, you know, one student was a female and she asked him to use a male name. But now again, um, I, I would say I would have some empathy, as you say, for that person's crisis situation. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to have sympathy where they're asking me now. You see what I'm saying? They, paint, they paint it as a win-win situation. No, it's a zero-sum game, as I keep saying. So you want to impose now your worldview on me. You want me to call you a girl a boy. That goes against fundamentally my worldview. Yeah. So I'm going to lose. One of us has to lose. But then there is a you know, universal truth. Yeah. So I'm like, and I told my friend, like, if I was still working there, I would not call that girl a boy uh, and I would suffer the consequences. If yeah. the administration fires me, they fire me. Then he told me they were forced to take um, re-education classes because, like, uh, you know, you have to take like 20, 30 hours every semester of the t as teachers uh, yeah. the training. You know, you know you, usually it's stuff related to teaching, right? New techniques. He told me he had to take a course on this like feminist uh, toxic masculinity and I told uh, you know if I, I told them um, 
if I was still teaching and they forced me to take that, I'm, I'm teaching politics and history. What does toxic masculinity have to do with anything? And I would have said, I'm not taking the course. And I just keep teaching. Yeah. And I'd wait for them to show up and say, you're, you're fired, you know, because yeah. and I think this is what more people need to do, whether it's with the COVID mandates or whatever. We need to be willing to risk being fired from our job. Like, I don't care about my job. I'll go. I always say I'll go sell tacos. I'll work in construction. I'll do whatever. But I'm not going to go yeah. against my values. Regardless. Exactly. Well, I think it's more than that. It's that you're not going to compromise on the truth. Like you're not going to actually get into any kind of dialogue and say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to like be willing to to accept this non-truth. And going back to what you're saying, maybe that's maybe like maybe that's how this kind of spreads. Like once you accept, because I, I I truly believe that once you start accepting the the small untruths, the bigger ones kind of grow from that. Like. And I, I wonder whether it's also a contagious thing. Like if you, you know, if you accept something that's not a truth and you say, well, I, you know, if you're a male and you say, well, no, I'm a female. And then you say to someone else, you, you must accept me uh, as, as a female and you must agree that I am a female. If that person doesn't believe it, but then accepts it, then maybe that's the, the contagion of a kind of untruth and then that, that might grow within them. So I do think that it's important for people to always just, just say like, what is my belief system and am I compromising on what I deem to be the truth? And that's not being, you know, in any way like transphobic. That's just saying, I don't believe in the fundamental idea that you can identify as something other than your objective, like sex, which can be determined at birth. It can be determined by multiple kind of ways of determining that. But you know someone's sex like you know it's very obvious i mean one of the things that stands out to me is like when they dig up when they dig up like bones and stuff from like you know thousands of years ago they don't look at the bones and they're like okay well we you know this person might have been intersex this person might have been whatever they say this was a male or this was a female you know from the the, the bone structure i mean like there's absolutely no question about that and when people today who claim to be um at the opposite gender you know if the if the exact same thing happened and their fossils were were, were dug up like 2000 years from, from now, there will be no question about what it, what it was. Right. So like, this isn't uh, like a, tra a transgender, uh, sorry, a, um, what's it called? Like a transphobic view. This is just saying, what do I believe to be true about gender? I will accept that as true. I still have sympathy for you. I still have, uh, you know, um, empathy for the situation, for your, for your, your the situation you're in. I don't wish bad things upon you, but I'm not going to compromise what I know to be true about the way the world works in order to accept that. And I, I think that that's a totally like valid thing to do. And I actually think that we should be doing it in all areas of our life generally. Cause like for me, you know, if you align yourself with truth, like better things happen and your life improves, you know, that's just my experience. Up until the algorithm ghetto closes in. But um, yeah, I mean, you can say the same thing for the whole global warming thing where no one says anything and they're like, uh, the, the propaganda is pushed into the schools now, into the workplace. And then, okay, we got to play along with this whole climate change thing or the whole trans uh, thing. And it, you know, I've never had the experience in person of anyone calling me transphobic. I'm, that's fine. You're, you're heterophobic. You're, you're Christophobic. Again, it goes back to my zero-sum game thing where if you want to call me transphobic, then de facto you're, you know, you're a big religious bigot, right? right? Let's be fair. So... But yeah, you know, that, that you know, Anyways, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, just um, rewinding back to something that you discussed earlier, and I'm glad that you brought it up because um, I think that this is like one of the biggest things that people aren't talking about is this world coin thing, and um, yeah, like I've actually had a few a few conversations. And I've been surprised that people don't know about it because it's like, well, this this literally is 
going to be the system. I think everyone's looking at these kind of government documents and UN documents and they're like, oh, you know, like when, when's this thing going to come about? When are they going to start doing the digital ID thing? I'm like, WorldCoin is it. And I think that governments are also going to piggyback off of them. I mean, that's the front runner. I still think there's there's other things going on that governments might get on the, get on the back of. But it's going to come from the, in my view, it's going to come from the corporate sector and the government is going to rally behind it. And I think that it, it seems to me kind of um, convenient that just when everyone is falling in love with ChatGPT, you've got the same guy, you've got the managing director, I think he's the founder of ChatGPT, right? You've got the same guy doing this other project, WorldCoin, which, you know, it's incredibly rare for someone like, you know, billionaires, businessmen, whatever it is, to have multiple projects that are of a global scale. I mean, this is why I'm incredibly skeptical of Elon Musk as well, because the, the chances of one person doing the amount of stuff that he's done without there being some kind of campaign behind him, but without this being, you know, a side, they, they've elevated him to this kind of, you know, this uh, this status that he's that he's got. In my view, none of that is, is organic, but that's a side point. But, you know, with this WorldCoin stuff, it's like, well, isn't ChatGPT enough? This thing's taken over the world and now you're on with this other thing. And I think that it's, it's almost like people are being lulled into trusting ChatGPT because they're like, oh, it's great, it's free, you know, it does, it, it's amazing, it's a huge technology, technological advance. I don't want to be late now to this next thing, this WorldCoin. And um, yeah, I, I guess like th there's that. And also when I actually see the images of people like, you know, they're literally taking this orb around, for people who haven't seen it, it's like literally taking this orb around and people are kind of queuing up and they're putting their face to it, getting their iris scanned. And it reminds me of uh, like Lord of the Rings, you know, like that, the evil uh, thing. I can't remember what the name of it is, but the thing that like um, like Gandalf takes it and it, you kind of like have to keep it covered, covered over. And if you uh, take the cover off and you like put your hands to it and stuff, you get sucked into the kind of this like evil world and you start, you know, mm -hmm. you see the future in this dark sense. And it's, it looks like that to me. And again, it's another one of these examples we were mentioning the matrix before. And it's, it's another example where I'm just like, it's, is it life imitating art, art imitating life? Like what the hell is going on? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of old media folks saying, oh, I talked about this in the 2000 teens or something like this goes way back. Like again, from the Christian perspective and prophecy, this is implied in prophecy. So like Christians have been talking about this since like, uh, you know, a century, <laughs> century ago. Uh, and, it's like I'm shocked with how fast this is happening. Just like two weeks ago when it was mm -hmm. the announcement of Musk switching Twitter to X and then accelerating it into the everything app and then Putin signs the digital ruble into law, the Russian algorithm ghetto, and then WorldCoin deploys. It's like, yeah. and then uh, the other thing I was, you know, we can talk about Bukele of El Salvador saying, let's integrate all seven Central American countries into a Central American, U Central American Union based on the European Union. like. What's going on? It's like all happening at hyper light speed. It's unbelievable. And, you know, you, you had that clip, Tim Hinchliffe of Sociable. You had him on the podcast not long ago. He's great. Uh, I think he posted one of the clips of somewhere. Was it a Davos or some IMF dude talking about the three basic things that form the beast system? The digital ID, they need to have your you on... They need to have your avatar, you know, your player name in the video game, yeah. right? Your your digital ID, uh, your smartphone for scanning the QR codes and all of that, and then uh, a bank account, which can be with this, you know, if it's the CBDC, it's just your account with the central bank. That's it. They don't even need banks anymore. So those three things, you know, of course, you need the internet to enable all of this. So that's why they're whipping out everywhere. The Starlink's going to cover. You're going to have internet anywhere you go. With Starlink or 4G or governments you know, here in Jalisco, they're 
building out the internet like crazy. It's it's the control system. It's not to uh, let, let you play watch Netflix in you know five thousand K or whatever. <laughs> whatever. So um, yeah, they're deploying the it's Worldcoin is global digital ID, um, and then you're gonna have the if in China you've got the WeChat in the West you've got the 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 X app and musk has come out just saying he wants it to take over the whole fine you know the globe he wants x to be the fine global financial system um and he said he's resurrecting quote his 20-year plan for the x bank and there's a photo with him and peter thiel right of paypal and peter thiel is also bilderberg peter thiel is also cia with palantir he's working with the globalist you know the top globalist uh nodes and then that goes back to what we we're saying earlier I mean, come on, was it really just these two guys and, the, and their idea? There has to be an entire team of resources connected to DARPA and, and global financial elites and everything behind these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they've planned since the late 90s to bring about X and all this stuff, Feel and, and um, Musk. And it's like uh, Larry Page and uh, Sergey Brin, I think, of Google. They were financed by the Pentagon or CIA. You know, Zuckerberg, Facebook was DARPA lifelog. You don't think Thiel and and Musk were backed by the military industrial complex? I mean, come on. So these are just the front men. They're the salesmen pitching us this stuff. I don't think they're the creators of it. That made me think of Marcelo Ebrard, the Mexican foreign minister running for president. He just came out and talked about Plan Angel, which would be called Plan Diablo. He just, oh, it was shocking. He's like, we've got this new plan, Angel, where it's, the most important thing is going to be based on the ecosystem of artificial intelligence here in Mexico. And it's going to be nationwide and it's going to have nationwide facial recognition, morphological detection. So we can detect just by your physique who you are, uh, vehicle tracking all across Mexico, drone tracking. Um, he, he just when I looked at that clip, I'm like, this guy didn't come up with this. He's now just a globalist used car salesman. They gave him. The paperwork and say the here this, i can just imagine some globalist and some some background giving ebrard here this is what you're going to say now sell it to the mexican people and that's just how i see musk and zuckerberg and bezos and all these people they are just the the front they're the used car salesmen yeah. basically <laughs> yeah i um you know the the big giveaway for musk is this is a guy who's literally got satellites in the sky orbiting the earth right like beaming down the starlink thing i mean you don't get that kind of access you don't get to you know, have satellites orbiting the Earth without, you know, being in the put to put it lightly, being in the good books with the right people. Yeah, and and who made the point? Mike Benz was really good. He just uh, pointed out how the only reason uh, Google Earth came about was because CIA gave a satellite to Google for Google Earth. It's exactly <laughs> what you just said. There, there's yeah. the, the the only way you would do that if it, there was. Uh, relationship. So the only reason we have Google Earth is because it's a CIA approved satellite. So again, we're using all this, you know, I'd call it the devil's technology, DARPA. For me, these, this Pentagon DARPA elite are coming from a sinister place. And they allowed us initially, these systems were deployed so they can set it up and figure out the little tweaks. Mm -hmm. And now that they've got the web out, now they're tweaking it, it's, it's closing in, and then they're creating a control system. And I think that was the point from the get-go. Even Dr. Mercola, 
he's got this black pill view as well. Listen to him. He recently just got debanked. Him, his employees, his employees' spouses, and children yeah. just got debanked. And he's saying the same thing, that he thinks that this was the plan from the very uh, beginning. All right, so as I warned you guys in the intro, at this point in the conversation, my camera dropped. So it seemed like a good time to take a break and to just talk about some of the ways you can support my work. The first is via Buy Me A Coffee, where you can give a one-off donation or join one of the three membership tiers that are on there. So that's been live for a while now, but today I've just added something extra on there, which is to book a one-on-one consultation with myself. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, then you'll probably already know my areas of interest and my areas of expertise. In particular, that would be moving and living abroad, freelancing and remote working, following your passions and working authentically in the industry that you care about, podcasting and content creation, and preserving and protecting your wealth with Bitcoin. These are definitely the key areas that I think that I can provide a lot of value. But if you want to talk to me about absolutely anything with a one-on-one call, then you can do that through Buy Me A Coffee now as well. As always, you can also support me with the Bitcoin tip. That's both on-chain and via the Lightning Network. And so far, I think I've only got one Bitcoin tip ever. So I'll tell you what, if you give me a Bitcoin tip for over $5, I don't know what that is in sats, but let's say $5, I will give you a shout out in the next episode. And finally, if you use my affiliate links, that's another great way of supporting me. So check out the link in the description for Surfshark VPN. This is simply the best VPN on the market. I've been using it for years and have never changed. I've got it on my computer, got it on my phone. I use it all the time for everything. So if you're not using VPN, you absolutely should be. It's the best way to protect your privacy online. And in my experience, Surfshark is the best VPN going. It's also very, very competitively priced. And if you get it now with my affiliate link, you will get 82% off and two months free. So I promise you will not regret using Surfshark VPN. It's a really, really great product. I wouldn't shield for anything I don't truly believe in. I plan to add more affiliate links going forward. But for now, Surfshark's it. If you don't have a VPN, click that link. If you do have a VPN, consider switching to Surfshark. It is a great deal. And as I said, in my opinion, it's the best on the market. All right, that's enough of the ad break. If you haven't supported me already, please do consider it. Right now, I'm still not making enough from the show to pay for the outgoings. And I really do want to reach that milestone soon. All right, appreciate you all. Back to the episode. Well, Nigel Farage, I don't know if you saw that, he got debanked recently. And they said, I think they've come, come out and said, oh, it was an accident or it was some employee, you know, acting rogue or whatever. But, you know, you don't, you don't debank someone like Nigel Farage and expect to get away with that. I mean, if, if he's even banking with, with NatWest, you would expect for them to be like looking at his account and being like, let's not, let's not do anything crazy because he's a big public figure and he can talk, you know, badly about the bank. You, you can't barrage the Farage, as he says. Is that what he said? When he was at the EU, yeah. Right, right. But, you know, why has this come out, right? Like, the reason I think that it's coming out is because it's this, it's this trickling in of these things. It's like, this is the first thing we're starting to see. It's like, okay, this person's got to buy. I mean, I guess the, the, the first thing was actually the Canadian trucker protest. That was, the, that was a big one. Where, I mean, even before, yeah. But these are one of the bigger. Oh, events, I'm yeah. just talking like yeah. since 2020, I guess, like in this kind of recent period, certainly since I've been switching. I'm sure it's happened in the past, but that was a big one. You know, that was a big um, kind of story that they basically like seize these people's funds and I don't know exactly what they did to the truckers bank accounts but I'm pretty sure that they were frozen or something like that and you know we've got this thing the thing that you you mentioned there's Nigel Nigel Farage it's almost like right now it's being kind of planted there but it's still kind of got this generally negative spin you know the media is still saying okay this isn't a good thing we shouldn't be doing this but then over time it'll become more and more normalized right similar thing happened with the when they were trying to push the vaccine it was like Initially, that's you would get like one news host or whatever who would say, hey, you know what, like we should force people to take the vaccine. If they don't take the vaccine, then they shouldn't be allowed to go to a restaurant, right? It's like one person saying it. And then someone else says it, you know, like three months later. And then the next month, 
three or four people say it and then it's in the news and then the politicians start saying it and then it's this kind of like just tiptoeing towards their ultimate goal which was always we're going to try and create you know like vaccine fascism like medical based segregation that was always the goal but they need to kind of get there and even if it's kind of negative press it's still just just planting that seed right it's just planting the seed planting the seed planting the seed and i, I could i could see the population uh, get, becoming okay with this idea where oh yeah this guy he said something crazy he should so it's okay for him to be debanked because in their minds like they're like Oh, I'm just going to follow the rules. Yeah, that guy must have done something wrong. And it, again, it's that totalitarian uh, mentality that I think, you know, I've talked with people like Bruce Party, as I just mentioned, and, and, and others, people just more and more through nudging, through psychological warfare, perception management, whatever you want to call it, brainwashing, they're coming to uh, eschew, detest freedom and liberty and agency and sovereignty and accept being told what to do, accept uh, security and comfort. And they're throwing away, you know, like their birthright. I go back to that Old Testament of Esau where he just traded his birthright for a bowl of soup and because that was the near-term pleasure, right? Uh, you can't suffer, you know, uh, a little, think, you know, strategically longer term. And just look, look, look all around us. I just see, in general, not specific to, to Mexico, just uh, obese people on their chemical concoctions and food and Netflix and Amazon and, and Costco's and Walmarts. And they're just eating it all up, their Googles, their Facebooks, and nobody thinking twice about anything. They're just like the big fat cows being held, led to the slaughter. And so um, I could see them thinking oh yeah you know it's this, this guy said something crazy and my linkedin i i, the, I posted that clip of farage it went viral on linkedin like i got a lot of followers and ten thousand views or something and there were people there saying oh yeah farage took russian money uh so they, they were okay with their ideological adversary being thrown into the algorithm ghetto yeah i'm like i i don't want my ideological adversaries you know that happening to them you know yeah. well this comes down to like fundamental first principles isn't it it's just like you, you you have to have them even when it's people you disagree with i mean there's a lot of people that i that i don't like but i don't want i don't want them to, to have rules imposed on them that go against you know people's kind of natural rights but yeah i think this happens a lot i mean one of the things recently i'm interested to get your views on this like there's this kind of campaign in the in the amongst some people in the uk at the moment which is like businesses must accept uh must accept like cash and I agree that businesses shouldn't have to accept, um, you know, bank payments, you know, like I totally agree with that. I'm on board with that. I don't think they should have to accept um, card or bank payments if they don't want to. They um, they should absolutely be able to, to make that choice. But I also don't think they should be forced to accept cash because my view is that all you're doing is by forcing those businesses to accept cash, you're basically saying, okay, well, this money, which governments basically just print out of absolutely nothing and is, is completely worthless, we're going to force you to take it. What happens once hyperinflation starts setting? Are you going to force these businesses to accept it? What if people don't want it? What if they want to accept real money, hard money, precious metals, Bitcoin? You know, I personally just think this idea of saying this campaign should not be we're going to force businesses to accept cash. The campaign should be we're going to stop the government from imposing rules where businesses have to accept CBDC or digital payments. There's a, there's a crucial difference there. And I think that we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater if we say businesses have to accept cash. Because what you're doing is you're saying businesses have to accept government monopoly money. That's what I see when I see that. 
I mean, I, I guess I would slightly disagree because I view the cash as number one. It's it's legal tender, so it cannot be. Yeah, but that's rejected. by decree. That's by decree anyway. Why should it? Why but it was it also. It's like the very first. It was the first option. You know, if we go back before the digital age, it was always only you know first just cash, not even credit cards. But it's also the most private form of mm -hmm. uh, payment. So I think the point would be. The businesses, there are businesses that are saying we won't accept cash. I don't think that should be because that's for me, that's like the cornerstone of privacy because that's the most private form of payment. Um, so for me, that's like the most basic. So well, I, you know, let, I, I think they should accept by default cash and then credit cards, debit cards, anything else that they want is, is great. But that's like for me, the cornerstone, the foundation. Okay, but let me. Um let me posit this then. So let's say that I say to you, right, you are a, you're a business and, you know, you're offering some service. Let's say you're offering, you know, like premium subscription to podcasts or whatever it is. And I come to you and I say, okay, Havori, I'm going to, um, I'm going to pay for this, but I want to pay you in potatoes. Like you, you know, you, you might want to accept the potatoes, but you might just say, well, no, I don't want to accept your potatoes. Thanks. Why should the government, what, why is the government allowed to say you've got to accept this stuff that we print out of thin air, but I can't just arbitrarily give something that you should accept for your goods and services? Shouldn't I mean, you have the choice? I mean, that goes back to, you know, money and currency. And, you know, I don't do, I don't do I'm not like an anarchist. I think government can be good and you, you need a basic structure, like a skeleton, like, you know, you have a, you build a boat or a car, you have the skeleton structure. It's like how I view government um, and you need a currency for society to function. Like here we use pesos everywhere. Imagine yeah, everyone going going to the Walmart and paying with potatoes. But right? it wouldn't but it wouldn't happen because the because what everyone ends up ultimately kind of um, like uh, deciding upon, it's deciding it's decided based upon what people perceive people perceive to have value. Now, right now it makes sense for businesses to accept cash because it does actually have real intrinsic value. But I also think that if a, if a business says, I don't want to accept any fiat currency, you got to come and pay me in silver coins. I think the business should be allowed to do that. Someone shouldn't be forced to Yeah, but they sell. would quickly fail. No one, they, mean, who would? Yeah, they might, they might. But, it, but again, it just comes back to the first principle. They might decide not to do that and then they want to accept cash. But then that feeds into what I'm saying, which is that it's determined what, what you accept is back to being determined based upon uh, what the market wants. If people want to accept the cash, like you said, it's probably going to fail. So people therefore say, okay, well, I'll accept the cash because it's going to fail just accepting silver and gold. In that case, that's, a, that's their own voluntary decision to accept the cash. But I don't think that people should be forced to accept cash because what if I just, what if I just say, hey, you know what? Like I, I want to, to, to um, I'm, I'm doing a project where all I'm going to accept is, is gold or silver or Bitcoin, right? What if someone wants to do that? Is the government like? Why should the government come in and say, "No, no, sorry, we're not going to allow that. You have to, you have to accept um, cash." And it's like, well, I don't want the cash, thanks. I, I, if I get the cash, I'm just going to go and change it for gold, gold and silver anyway. I don't want the, I don't want the, the effort. I don't want the middleman. It, it kind of like messes up, you know, the way that I do my accounting. I think people should be able to accept what they want, and I actually think that that will ultimately mean that people do, do still accept cash because for for most people that is a logical uh, decision. So I just think we should change. I think that we should step back and think about first principles and where they lead. Because if you just say everyone should accept cash, to me, I'm just say, I'm just saying, okay, well, the government prints the cash. Like you, you've not really escaped escaped anything there. All, all you've done is you force people to accept something which one day will probably be valueless and already in many people's eyes is right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to stick with the, the the cash. I mean, I know the whole fiat thing, and I just kind of some things in this globalist world I just kind of accept. 
And I, I feel like, you know, what are we going to do realistically? But as you say, yeah, I don't have a problem with ever, with ex businesses accepting. Okay, let me try one things. more angle. I know, I know, that, <laughs> I know that you don't like podcast debates, but let me try one more. What? Okay, let's say a bit, let's say the government says, "Hey, you know, um, you have to accept central bank digital currencies." Are you okay with that? Well, no, because the thing with cash is that preserves your power and anonymity mm -hmm, and privacy, mm -hmm. but CBDC doesn't. True, yeah, it doesn't. But if the government, but your argument was that people need a, a thing to, to transact in, right? Like gold right. or silver coins will still have those properties. Bitcoin still has those properties. So what I'm saying is that like, I could use the same argument of saying, oh, well, everyone needs something to transact in. And the, if the governments have determined that CD, CBDCs are money in the future and they say, hey, look, this is what we've determined, you have to accept it. You've already set that precedence by saying people have to accept cash. Well, then the next step will be you just wait, you fast forward 20 years. And if the gov if you set a precedent that the government gets to determine what people should accept for the value of their of their you know goods and services, et cetera, well, one day they just bait and switch it to a CBDC. I mean, that's why you fight to have a good government and then cbdc's this is unprecedented in world history um as well because you've you know in history you've always had you know in the spanish empires in europe you've had silver coins gold coins in rome you've always had physical coins which were always again uh anonymous but this is a whole new paradigm i think yeah okay fair enough we'll uh, we'll <laughs> we'll agree to disagree on that one what about um so in terms of the CBDC thing, like where is the world on that? I, I can't say I keep a, a massively like close eye on what's going on with CBDCs. Are we are we on the precipice now? I mean, it's advancing. Fed now and the WorldCoin stuff. You know, Marty Bent just did a good post about that. Uh, some of my guests have pointed out. You know, all the world leaders and countries are bending over backward to see who can be the first to deploy the, these. And you know. The Russians are more advanced than America. So again, this blows a hole in that whole multipolarity BRICS thing. I know I don't believe it. Sorry, you know I'm not sorry. <laughs> you know uh, there are people that are angry with me that I don't buy the whole Putin saving the world BRICS and multipolarity are our salvation. It's two heads of the same coin, as my recent podcast guest said. And the Chinese and the Russians and everyone are advancing as much as they they're, they're seeing. You know the Europeans and the Americans and the Canadians who can develop their CBDC first. So these are the new rules of the game. And so they're all they're all advancing. How how quick? I don't know, but I think pretty pretty quick. And I think a lot of things are happening behind the scenes with our banks, with our banking apps, yeah. with everything that it's happening in the background slowly. Uh and I think we're just gonna wake up. It's like the 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 frog and the slow boil. I think that's yeah. what's going on. You know, I, I mentioned before, it was like 2020, 2021, our bank apps in Mexico uh, uh, forced us to turn on geolocation. With the latest, like a month or two ago, with the latest update to the bank app, all of a sudden it appeared the carbon social credit system. So I log into my app now, I was shocked. It's like, it's, it's, it's talking about tracking, quantifying your energy usage, uh, but because I still use cash and I don't have a, I don't work for someone. So I don't get, I don't get like a regular salary. They have really nothing to mm -hmm. track on me so far. Yeah. But, but then, then if, they'll probably just deem that 
and taking cash out as an absolute matter is actually going to you know negatively impact you anyway they'll just assume that if you're taking cash out that it's used for well the they, they, they can't well you know when they buy an airplane ticket which i you know i guess i have to with the the, the credit card um, then they can call, you know, then they can track my miles and say, you, oh, you can't buy f- airplane tickets in the future because you've already flown too, too much. So I think slowly it's being built while we're sleeping. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's advancing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's such a shame to hear that it's uh, happening in Mexico. I, I've just not been privy to any of this stuff. Like my experience here has just been, aside from like the mask wearing, which was like, they were pretty hot on that during like, during certainly last year and the year before like this year is perfectly fine but um yeah now i haven't noticed that much totalitarian creep here but obviously i just heard yeah we're in the state of jalisco it's the first uh, state in mexico to now deploy the digital driver's license so you know i've got a physical mexican driver's license now you can get your digital it's happening in states all across the united states and other countries and so again everything's going to be all of your licenses and, and um, you know, p- papers and stuff are all going to be digital. And that's going to force you to carry your tracking device phone around. I often don't have it with me. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I mentioned before, I was at the, at the beach. I go to the restaurant and the menu is a QR code. And like, I don't have a phone. And the guy's looking at me. Oh, you don't have a phone? Like, I'm weird. I'm like, I'm swimming in the ocean. You want me to swim with my phone? Where am I supposed to put my phone on the beach so someone can take it? Like, are you retarded? Seriously, dude, waiter guy? Like, really, the, the level of these NPC people. I mean, I, I'm, it's, it's nuts. Like, oh. So he, then he whips out this tablet, right? This ta- the, the menu on the tablet. Yeah. And is that, is they've that, always got a backup. They've always got, the, they've always got their own tablet. On the paper, physical, analog, non-digital menu. And you know that's not very environmentally friendly. Someone yeah, but, but out. In, in fairness, it, in fairness to them having the digital menu, if I was a, a cafe or a restaurant or whatever, and we're basically entering this hyperinflation phase, I wouldn't want to be printing menus because by the time you put it on the table, you got to print another one with the new prices on it. Well, so, they could just you know put on the wall, have a chalkboard or something like old. Fashioned yeah, but you, you need. Are to, they going to have a digital menu that everyone can see on the wall, and then it just the prices up? <laughs> that's what they need. Okay, yeah, digital one on the wall. <laughs> but I'll don't go. force me to carry my phone around. Let's like in China and many places now. Um, even public transport in Mexico now, they're building it out because they're going to take away our cars. And then um, you can only pay with your digital card, no cash again. So, or with your phone. Yeah. Even I'm reading in UK, they're, they're doing a train stations, you know, no more cruise ships. Uh, and like I said, in Netherlands, so they're getting rid of cruise ships, flights. Uh, they're making them so expensive you can't afford them. Uh, or they're doing away with the kiosks and the human, humans selling stuff. You can only just use your phone or the kiosk, you buy your own ticket yourself. Yeah. Um, no more humans need it. So, you know, slowly it's... Do you think that there's any, uh, like, hope in technology or are you just generally pessimistic about technology? Because, like, personally, I see a lot of solutions there as well as problems, but I... But, well, what, like, given in the face of what we're talking about, what solutions from technology... Well, like, for instance, you know... I like, mean, unless you just, you know, uh, destroy <laughs> these technology, put a virus in the CBDC system, you know? Well, I'm talking about, like, for me, the obvious, the most obvious one is Bitcoin. I don't know if you've heard much about Nostr and everything's happening with Nostr now. It's kind of like decent you know truly decentralized social media where people are literally serving up content you know in a decentralized way using decentralized relays and stuff 
you've got like home servers and things like that now, which are becoming a thing. Like I haven't got one, but I'm like really keen to get one soon where, you know, for instance, all this stuff, which people are doing with like the smart home stuff, you can do it, but you host everything in a self-sovereign way on your own server. It's not, it's not connected to, to the cloud or anything like that. So I, I see hope, but people have got to kind of become technologically educated like you can't take the easy route you're gonna have to actually like learn and you know develop and become more technologically capable to use it but i still think that these things will um are like a really positive thing and also i think that as the world gets more kind of dystopic like the traditional the legacy world i think more people are going to actually be willing to put in the time and energy to learn and use these new things i mean in some ways i would only view this stuff as a bandage not like a solution uh, you know, maybe in some ways, as you say, if you apply it, this really makes me think of like the the last iteration of the, the Fallout game. I just finished replaying Fallout 3 and then whenever I get time, I'm going to replay the, 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 that, that last uh, fancy edition of Fallout where, you know, it's all like a collapsed Mad Max world and people are tinkering and in their own communities or homes, they develop these like sovereign tech. So, it, but it's still... Let's say you do have your home server and all that here on your farm, but as soon as you step out, you have to deal with the, you know, total recall world, and there's nothing really you can do mm-hmm. about that, as far as I can see it. And then people have also talked about. I, I see more and more people talking about this. I talked about this with James Wesley Rawls, former I think intelligence officer of SurvivalBlog.com. We talked and YouTube. We we talked about in 2021. We had a conversation. YouTube just took down the video like a couple months ago. It gave me a strike. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we were talking about if you're in a CBD system, cashless CBD system, no cash again. And okay, let's say you have your own farm, food, berries, meat, whatever, cows. But you have to live on a physical plot yeah. of land. Let's say you own that property outright. You still have property taxes. So you got to pay it once a year. What happens if they debank you? There's no more cash. And the only way to pay your property taxes with the CBDC, with the state-sanctioned currency, then, but you don't have access anymore. So let's say, you know, let's say it's January 2024, the Institute of CBDC, you know, you've paid your property tax, the physical, but then you get to January 2025, there's no way for you to pay the property tax. So the state can come in and just take your property. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. you're kind of, what do you do? You're screwed. Well, you've just made like the absolute perfect case there for Bitcoin being people's store of wealth rather than using it as a property. Yeah, but how do you pay your property tax if the state only accepts? Well, no, what I'm advocating for is not that you pay the, is not um, exactly that. What I'm advocating for is saying that like property should not be people's main store of wealth anyway. Because at the moment, what you've got is a system where most people, most of their wealth is actually in the property. That's where their, you know, that's where their wealth is stored. And exactly like it suffers from exactly this this uh, downfall, which is basically that the government can either jack up the taxes or they can just determine that you know sorry like you know we're taking it. It's a physical thing they can come and take. This is why I think that this is another reason why I think that there can be digital solutions as long as we're using them in a self sovereign way and using like cryptography and you know like this kind of like real self sovereign technology. That is a way that we can actually get around that because I would like to see the day where. Rather than people saying, "Okay, I've got to buy a property because that's where I'm going to store my wealth because I don't want it in this fiat." But I mean, you got to live somewhere. It's not necessarily storing wealth. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, and obviously, there is still the thing of like you have a property, the government knows about it. What? But what I'm saying is that it lowers it lowers property in terms of being the thing that governments will want to seize because right now 
property has just a huge amount of value. So governments want to milk it. But that value, in my view, is like very unjustified. It's being used as a kind of store of wealth in the absence of hard money. And I think if we can solve the hard money problem, then governments won't have as much incentive to do something like that. But I'm, I'm not awful. I mean, even if you do rent, then it's like the social credit system. Again, even in China, people who have low social credit scores, you know, if you're doing staying free podcasts, you're going to have a low social credit score. Uh, and then you can't, no one's going to rent to you, right? Yeah. So even you either have their own property or rent. Sure. And then the social credit system deals with, I think the issue again is not the government seizing for financial reasons, but for, again, it's the control system. So they don't want, if you're not submitted to their system, they're going to, you know, destroy you. Uh, I mean, they literally want to kill us anyway. So, so <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. We're just speculating here. We'll just see how this stuff plays out. So. I think we've I think we've reached like peak black pill in the conversation. So let's try to like climb back out. <laughs> um, talk to me about Mexico, man. Like um, I, I get a lot of people talking, like asking me. This is probably when people reach out to me privately. Probably the number one thing they they ask me is about like life out here, like why I've moved, like you know, just all these kind of questions. Because I think a lot of people in Europe are just feeling like pretty kind of. I don't know, just pretty put out about the way things are over there and seeing it get more dystopic, seeing like, you know, the cost of living, like just going up and up, government's just doing crazy stuff. So, you know, I know that obviously you've mentioned here that there's a few things that have been creeping into Mexico that are a little bit dystopian, but like in general, what's uh, what's been your experience? I mean, look, that dystopian stuff is happening in every single country. So, Yeah. So, you know, when I talk, I think about Mexico, it's like I just put that aside because, look, it's happening everywhere. Yeah. There's nowhere it's not happening unless you go live in Antarctica or, or I don't know. But so that aside, uh, I don't know I just kind of like I just I, I've been making uh, ventures into the U.S. this year a couple times. And every time I go, I think about would I go live in the U.S. or not. And I, I don't have that urge. I just. uh I'm happy in Mexico. I'm comfort. It's comfortable in Mexico. It's the weather is is nice. Uh, it's it's sunny, warm, lower cost of living than other places. You get everything you need, and it's just like the people are generally low key. They're not like Americans who freak out. You know, um, if you're in a long line, people will just wait and be calm, and so. Yeah, I mean, I just enjoy it here, and I don't have that urge to go anywhere else. So it's it's yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, you were you were like quite early here. How long have you been? Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah. So you were here like well before the rush. Have you have you noticed like just kind of a, a big influx of people coming here like seeking freedom? I haven't had contact lately with people coming in. I know from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two, there's huge influx. People consulting with me. Uh, just myself with, with friends and friends of friends meeting people coming into Mexico foreigners. I feel like that sort of died down. Some people have returned, some have stayed in Mexico, but there, there still seems to be a continued uh, interest. And I am reading about more foreigners coming in, but uh, so, yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I love it here. I, I have like just huge, hopes for Mexico generally I just I, I know it's just got so much going for it it's a really big country it's close to it's close to like Canada and the US so you have a lot of people coming in from there now like the the 
you know, the the economy has just boomed here, you know? I mean, you probably noticed, like, the, the peso just keeps on rising. I mean, it's very rare. Obviously, that's against the dollar and stuff like that, but it's very rare to see a, any currencies in this kind of current economic climate gaining value against the dollar. And I think that that's a reflection of just how much awesome stuff is happening here. You know, there's just so much, like, potential uh, for Mexico generally. We, we I think since we last spoke, this, this has accelerated, so there's a lot of development coming in, foreign direct investments, um, this is whole part of that near shoring thing, and I think it's related to that topic, you know, about the regional integration and regional unions. So here's something interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. He works in industry, sometimes in manufacturing industry here in Mexico. Sometimes he goes travels to the U.S. They send him to China or whatever. And he just told me one of these big transnational corporations. I don't know if it's a European company or what. So he told me his higher up had a meeting with the higher higher ups and that they were discussing the decoupling with china that they have to now separate from china and bring manufacturing to mexico to north america because of uh, uh, the war that's coming so you've got higher ups in corporations talking about coming war with china and so that's why they have to separate now their manufacturing and so that's interesting i i see us on the path towards that uh but also because of the regional unions so we're gonna that's why mexico is booming because they're bringing in you know tesla and nuevo leon yeah. i think chinese ev companies are in other states in mexico you just had heads of semiconductor companies like in south korea where in mexico seeing the feasibility of developing uh, semiconductor plants here. So, yeah, all this stuff is coming in. And I read articles, Mexico doesn't have enough workers, like qualified workers or people wanting to work, which is kind of bad because I guess a lot have left uh, and then others are just not trained to do work. Uh, and yeah, yeah, so economically things are up, but you know, we, we, anything can happen. We could have spokes in the wheel, the, the cartels and the, 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 the criminals in some ways, they're, they're idiots. What really pisses me off is I've been reading on the highways, what has increased is the number of um, highway bandits. Yeah. So, so them stopping the semis and just taking goods like semis filled with cars and other semis filled with other goods. So what do you think if you keep doing this, you, you criminals, overall, what's going to happen to the state of the nation? Everyone's just, everything's just going to collapse. We're all going to be... Uh, worse off because yeah. then these companies are going to leave why would they invest millions semiconductors evs whatever all these companies if you if they're just having all their stuff stolen yeah. so then the whole nation's just going to collapse because these people want to get rich quick so yeah yeah that is a that is a real problem yeah i mean whenever we've like driven around we're always just using the toll roads because like the non-toll roads are just they're just not safe especially if you're a foreigner but, um yeah man you know just um on the on the China thing, I don't want to like open a, a whole new new can of worms. But what do you think about the, that coming war? You think you think there is a coming war with China? I I think there is because again I go back to a Bible prophecy and it talks about a big war towards the end. You know, so I don't, I think there's going to be a war, some kind of war or big conflict, and it cites a two hundred million man army, which is what China, if it went to war. According, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, the U.S. military assessment assessed that China would be able to, 
if, if China went, if there was a conventional war, China would have 200 million soldiers, just like the prophecy says. And then it talks about, you know, talks about the king of the north, let's say Russia. The patri patriarch Kirill uh, of Russia just accidentally referred to Putin as king. So you're seeing a lot of these little things like, oh, king of the north, Russia, Putin, China. And then it talks about the kings of the east coming together in the Bible. Right. Multipolarity. Hello, Iran, China, Russia, all these countries coming together. Uh, and so I just see the, the, the clowns gathering that, that there will be um, a war when, who knows, but I think it's still a few years off. Mm -hmm. It seems like all parties are not quite read yet ready uh, in terms. It's like they're all getting ready. I see them all getting ready now, but we're not quite there yet. You see everyone's militarizing. The U.S. is militarizing the Asia Pacific, South Korea, Japan, Philippines. China is getting ready. So they're not ready yet, but I think, um, I think it's going to happen. Man, yeah. Yeah, I, like I, I kind of sway back and forth on this one because on one hand, I can kind of see everything that you're, you're talking about. But on the other hand, the COVID to me, just everything that happened there, it was like the Chinification of the world. I mean, the way that it was, I, I don't know. And, and just a lot of stuff that's happening with um, like Biden and his kind of administration, they seem really, really sympathetic to China and they seem completely willing to just have a, a kind of, almost like a low key Chinese cultural um, revolution happening in, in America. You know, like they seem to kind of be on board with that. They're stoking the fires of it. They'll, they'll never kind of criticize China that I've seen, not in a way that like Trump did. I'm not really a fan of Trump, but at least he did. He was kind of like took a hard line with China. And he, I don't know, may, I almost wonder whether, and this is completely just a um, just an opinion that I have based on not really doing much digging or research, but it's just a suspicion I have is that China already has their people in place high up in the American political system to, to basically not take a hard line with them. Like, you know, is Biden and Hunter Biden and, and that administration and do, are they not just sympathetic, but are they plants, you know? <laughs> I don't know, is that a crazy thing to think? No, I think your assessment is very good. Um, you know, I was reading even Gregory Copley, who's been a guest of mine of the Strategic Studies Association. He was putting out a piece the other day questioning uh, how strong China itself is and, and the CCP and the PLA and whether there might be a military coup in China where the PLA takes over. You know, we don't really know the true strength of the CCP or Washington or, or, or EU or the Kremlin. Mm. So for any of them, you know, as, as, as much as you want to listen to these armchair analysts, right? Uh, we don't really know how strong or weak some of these, you know, anything can change overnight. But still, the, you know, the globalists, um, they use war to build back better and it, it, it decreases the population. Yeah. So it's a very good tool again war and the the elites in every country i think don't really care about the citizens of their own yeah. countries they are they have a globalist mentality and so they've always got you know look at zelensky who's at one of the top politicians ukraine his daughter just bought like in where was it in the south of france like a five million dollar home is that very patriotic ukrainian buying a fancy home abroad why not make a mansion in ukraine they'll just flee you know they're 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 globalists yeah right so 
I think they think nothing of war, and so they'll just say, "Okay, let's start the war," you know. And yeah, but I guess you know, it's exactly that. You know, this whole globalist thing. It's like everyone's on board with the globalism, especially including China. You know, we saw that with with COVID. That, that looked like a Chinese project to me, and the whole of the Western world got on board with it. So I just think, are we really? in a conflict with China or, you know, perhaps they're at some point going to say, hey, you know what, like we, we thought it was real, but, you know, it wasn't and we're going to go to war with China because actually, you know, I don't know how it actually ends up kind of panning out. But yeah, I, I just wonder whether we have any appetite at all to go to war with China or whether we're all on the same page with the globalism stuff. And I, I, uh, I asked that same question you do. I mean, I don't know, I asked my guests how do we square that circle where yeah. we're, they're collaborating uh, at the globalist level but then there are real conflicts. And I think, as you just said, I've kind of envisioned it where at some point, you know, China has the century of humiliation. They're keeping in the back of their mind. Maybe they're waiting, buying their time for the moment when they can strike at the West. So maybe they are playing along and then they're going to, you know, the multipolar world's going to destroy Europe and the United States. And in, in, in some ways, you know, we would deserve it from the spiritual perspective you know you've got pastors like john MacArthur who say america is under god's wrath we have become sodom and and gomorrah and that's what happens to nations when they are like that that's god would use any tool not it's not to say god supports the ccp or the kremlin he would just use them as a tool to destroy sodom or, or and gomorrah mm-hmm. uh, i don't know these are different scenarios but yeah I, I definitely as you said china could just at some moment say, okay, now's our time to get revenge for the century of humiliation. That's one scenario, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I guess also like when you had like McCarthyism and stuff like that happening and you had this stuff happening during the, the Cold War with Russia, I mean, everyone was completely suspicious that there would be people who the Russian government had planted in foreign governments and in high positions of power. And it was true. Like, you know, obviously there was a lot of it was paranoia, but it was also true. There was a lot of people that were found to be Russian agents in foreign governments and and I think vice versa as well. But, and yet that conversation doesn't even seem to occur. It's like, nobody's even talking about it with China. No, the, the very suggestion that maybe China has people in high positions of power in foreign governments, it's kind of laughed out of the room. And it's like, well, why wouldn't it? That's basically the way that things have worked for you know hundreds of years. Yeah, and, and when you say about no one willing to fight for the US, maybe we are at this stage, this was part of the plan to wokeify the US to prepare it, like you, till, you prepare the ground for um, planting the crops. Uh, and so maybe this whole wokeification, deconstruction of the U.S. infrastructure, financial system, culture, and has been a softening up for some kind of uh, assault or attack. But yeah, I don't know. It's just going to be a tough road ahead, I think. Okay, cool. I got one, one, last, uh, one last question for you, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up because I know we want to do a conversation for your part as well. Um, the American presidential election. What uh, what do you think about everything that's going on there? Like, you know, with um, RFK Jr. and, you know, Trump and DeSantis and stuff. Like, what's your general take on that? I've kind of given up on elections and political solutions on one hand. I kind of don't care. No, I don't think it's a solution, but I'm just right. saying, like, who, who do you yeah. think who do you think they want in power and who do you think will get in power? Yeah, you know, and, you know, I kind of don't care anymore. But on the other, you know, I talked to Colonel McGregor on my podcast. He was questioning whether there will be 2024 elections on the one hand. 
Uh, I think that's one scenario. Something crazy happens. So it's like a, some black swan event. Another is DeSantis just doesn't seem to be winning. It seems like forget about DeSantis. Yeah, it he's like so. uh, he he seems clumsy. Um, you see the way he laughs. I mean, he just doesn't seem appealing as a person. So I and the the polls show Trump is like the only guy. Is basically just Trump on one side, um, and then RFK Jr. I I for me he's the, he appeals to me the most in terms of the way he speaks as a Kennedy. Uh, he seems to be the closest to I think our way of thinking. You know, he recognizes the deep state, the big pharma. Yeah, even how WEF is is wants to use climate change as a totalitarian device. So, yeah, I don't know. You've you've got some of these folks like Roger Stone and others positing, hey, maybe Trump and and Kennedy will merge. But yeah, I don't really have any concrete. They might run Biden as Weekend at Bernie's, you know, like part two. Uh, really, I just I've got, got, I can't see in. that, but. You know, it's a way of humiliating America before the world that they just want to maybe they'll double down on that. And look, we're going to put this complete clown as your head just to show how pathetic you are. Yeah. You know, whoever really controls America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that, man. All right, cool. Uh, man, this has been really awesome. Uh, I'm going to let you finish, but just re really quickly for my audience. Uh, please consider supporting me. You can see the links down below. Um, there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can do it. On, you can do Bitcoin donation. You can also do buy me a coffee. And there is also membership tiers there as well. So you can give monthly donations, support my content. Um, Havori, thank you very much for joining me again. This has been really, really cool. Let my audience know where they can find all your stuff and then just any parting words that you have as well. Yeah, uh, people can buy me a coffee as well. Uh, Geopolitics and Empire.com, TNTRadio.live. And uh, I just opened up a Substack and I'm shocked that I haven't even done anything with it. And people are all already, I'm getting free subscribers and paid subscribers, which is amazing. So that all of that helps and just subscribing to my uh, channels. But, uh, you know, in spite of everything we've discussed, I remain joyful, chipper. Um, you know, I've got my white pill in the form of... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ, but you know, the sun is shining. Enjoy the little things in life. Coffee. I know it's Starbucks. Sorry, that's all there was. But you know, <laughs> coffee, water, uh, good company. Get some sea. You know, uh, s swimming in the salt water. And uh, yeah, that's you know, just j j people need to have a balance. You know, take in the alt media stuff, but uh, don't go overboard. Enjoy. The small things in life good food drinks and, and family so amazing yeah and check out uh, geopolitics and empire as well i'll put the link in the description here to the conversation we're about to have so there'll be that as well so yeah thanks again